This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Friday, July 19th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. Hemp gets lawmakers' attention. U.S.-China talks continue. And USDA defends climate policy relocation. Insecticide cleared for now. Senate panel sets up a hint hearing. The Senate Ag Committee is teeing up what would be the first comprehensive hearing on industrial hemp policy since Congress passed the 2018 Farm Bill. The hearing next Thursday will feature key officials at EPA and FDA, as well as USDA's General Counsel Stephen Vaden and USDA Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs Greg Ibach. USDA is gearing up to roll out regulations for regulating hemp production, but just as critical is the issue of when and whether FDA will allow the hemp product CBD to be used as a food ingredient and dietary supplement. The witnesses include Amy Abernathy, FDA's Principal Deputy Commissioner of Food and Drugs, who is leading FDA's work on CBD and hemp. FDA closed a public comment period on the CBD issue on Tuesday. Keep in mind, it should be no surprise that this hearing is in the Senate. Hemp continues to be a top priority for Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. At one point, when there seemed to be the little sign of progress on the Farm Bill last year, Senate Ag Chairman Pat Roberts of Kansas told AgriPulse he was confident the legislation would eventually get enacted because of four letters, H-E-M-P. Congress and the White House close, close to a budget deal. Congressional leaders are trying to wrap up a deal with the White House to set spending limits for the next two years and to raise the federal debt ceiling. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi wants to have the agreement on the House floor late next week, since the House will then be in recess well into September. Senate Appropriations Chairman Richard Shelby of Alabama told reporters yesterday that negotiators were close, close to a deal but that it wasn't sealed yet. And while we're at it, Shelby also said he hopes to keep the fiscal 2020 spending bills free of continuous policy riders. That means provisions like the one in the House bill to block the USDA from relocating to research agencies are likely off the table. U.S. and China continue trade talks. U.S. and China continue negotiations uh, to try to end the trade war. U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin uh, spoke with their Chinese counterparts over the phone again, marking the second straight week of new talks after negotiations broke down. A USTR spokeswoman said she offered no details on what was discussed. China to boost cherry imports, but not from the U.S., China's hunger for cherries just keeps growing. The country is expected to boost product and imports for the 1920 market a year, but Chinese tariffs will prevent U.S. producers and exporters from benefiting that, according to the USDA's Foreign Agriculture Service. Chinese cherry production expected to increase by 23% this year, and the country is now expecting to import 190,000 metric tons of cherries in 2019-20 up from 180,165 tons in 2018-19. Countries like Chile, Canada, and Turkey are all expected to sell more, but not the U.S. The tariffs are a result of the year-long U.S.-China trade war. While the U.S. remains the leading cherry supplier to China during the summer season, the import volume from the United States fell sharply in the market in year 2018-19 because of the ongoing trade tensions between the two countries, according to FAS. 
USDA defends handling of climate plan. The top-ranking USDA science official says a climate resilience plan prepared by USDA scientists was never released because it was an internal document that was, quote, never intended to be released to the public. Senate Ag Democrats on Thursday grilled Scott Hutchins, USDA's Deputy Undersecretary for Research, Education, and Economics, about a political report that the plan was deliberately kept from the public. Hutchins insisted that all the work identified in the long-term plan is being conducted. Much of the Thursday hearing focused on USDA's relocation of the Economic Research Service and the National Institute of Food and Agriculture to Kansas City. Hutch has plagued to carry out an aggressive hiring strategy to replace the economists and other personnel that are leaving the agencies. He also had a lot of work to do. USDA currently has two job postings for research economists in Kansas City. The agencies reportedly have vacancy rates over 20% already, and most of the remaining employees targeted for relocation have elected not to make the move. EPA likely hasn't settled the chlorpyrifos issue. EPA is likely to be back in court after its decision to allow continued use of the insecticide chlorpyrifos. Patty Goldman, an attorney with Earth Justice in Seattle, said, We will go back to the court and seek an order to ban chlorpyrifos in our food nationwide. Meantime, state bans are filling in the gap in some places. A bill to ban the insecticide in New York is sitting on the desk of Governor Andrew Cuomo. In Hawaii, a ban is scheduled to go into effect in 2023, and California has proposed a prohibition saying the action is needed to prevent significant harm to children, farm workers, and vulnerable communities. EPA said it did not have enough information that the insecticide is a neurological hazard to justify banning it. The agency is working on a new registration decision by 2022. Kansas City Fed sees rising loan demand. The volume of non-real estate farm loans in the second quarter of this year increased 11% over the last year, the fastest pace of growth in the second quarter since 2011, according to the Fed Reserve Bank of Kansas City report. Operating loans, which make up most of the non-real estate farm loans, increased 16% over last year. The report says that larger loans continue to drive the increase in lending. Non-real estate farm loans exceeding a million dollars were notably higher than previous years and had a significant effect on new loan originations. Take note, despite signs of increased credit stress, farmland values do remain steady. Values of non-irrigated cropland in the energy states of Texas and Oklahoma rose slightly but declined modestly or were flat in other states. Candidates set to descend on Iowa. Every four years, the Iowa State Fair becomes the focus of the presidential campaign and a great chance for the candidates to talk about their stands on rural issues and renewable energy policy. This year is no exception. According to a schedule compiled by the Des Moines Register, Democratic frontrunner Joe Biden will be at the fair on opening day, August 8th. Eighteen other candidates, including Senators Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Camilla Harris, Amy Klobuchar, and Cory Booker, as well as Kristen Gillibrand, will campaign at the fair over the following three days. Keep in mind, they'll have a hard time topping the scene on the first Saturday of the 2015 fair. That's when Donald Trump showed up Hillary Clinton by circling the fairgrounds in a helicopter while she was wading through the crowd below. Here's today's She Said It. 
Ag research has enhanced life for all Americans, improving the disposable diaper, making U.S. military uniforms resistant to mosquitoes, and developing better turf for NFL fields. So my Detroit Lions can tear up the chairman's Kansas City Chiefs without tearing up the grass. That's none other than Michigan Senator Debbie Stabenow, the Senate's top Democrat, needling Chairman Pat Roberts. Well, that's Daybreak for this Friday, July 19th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by Watkinson Miller and Dairy Management Incorporated. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Daly.